This is the E-Commerce Brain Trust, a podcast about building momentum online for established consumer brands. Join our hosts and their expert guests for high-level conversations about e-commerce strategies, trends, and innovations. Access our Brain Trust and boost your brand's e-commerce potential. Well, hello and welcome back to the E-Commerce Brain Trust podcast. I'm your host, Kiri Masters from Bobsled, an Acadia company. And today I'm joined by a colleague from Bobsled, John Pack, who is a project manager where he manages the marketplace marketing and operations strategies for some of our consumer brand clients. Earlier in his career, John operated his own e-commerce boutique in the novelty apparel category and then became an e-commerce consultant for various local businesses in his hometown of LA. Since 2015, he's helped companies transitioned into e-commerce and build their stores on platforms like Shopify and Amazon Seller Central. And in 2021, he joined Bobsled. So John, thanks for joining me today. Hi, Carrie. I'm very happy to be here and thank you for having me. Yeah, so I'm really interested to dive into your experience sort of on the D2C side and how you see that playing together well or sometimes in a little bit of conflict with Amazon and other marketplaces because you've had more of a D2C background as well. So let's dive in. We actually just met in real life for the first time last week at Acadia's offsite, which was awesome. And I wanted to hear a little bit more on on a personal level, what made you make the move from being an independent consultant to joining an agency? Yeah, so yes, we did. We all met in in person at our Acadia All Hands. And I'd like to point out, when we did meet, it was really great. There wasn't any awkwardness. We all greeted each other with smiles and hugs. And <laughs> it just really felt like a really super close family environment with mm. like so many like-minded people. So I really enjoyed that. It was such you know great vibes all around. And I hear it's not always like that. So uh, thank you guys very much. Yeah. And just for context for people listening, we're a fully remote company and we haven't had any in-person meetups aside from like just, you know, I happen to be in someone's city meetups for two years. So yeah, that's why it's a special event when we do actually meet face-to-face, just for some some context there. Exactly, exactly. And just like even my first day working here, I don't think I've ever made so many friends in a remote role on the first day. So Hmm. it truly felt, you know, like something special. And yeah, I loved it. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. What made you make the move? Yeah. So, you know, I am becoming a bit older and wiser. And with that, I'm looking for more stability. So I still wanted to find that stability while still being able to work in an industry around e-commerce that I'm still passionate and knowledgeable about. So I really felt that joining an agency like this was pretty much the best choice where I would still be able to, you know, follow my passion and do all of these things. So not only did it provide that stability, but I'm still able to help businesses and clients with all things business. And uh, yeah, it was just a great switch and it matched perfectly. It translated perfectly with all of my experiences from the past. That's awesome. I'm really glad to hear that. So let's talk about your sort of background and what you background being in D2C and now coming and focusing 
at Bobsled, we just purely focus on online marketplaces like Amazon, Walmart, Instacart, and now Target as well. And so just interested to hear what kind of observations that you have now moving to that marketplace only context, what's different about so the D2C environment and marketplaces? Well, with all things Amazon or all things business, especially Amazon, you get a lot of these, the only thing consistent or constant are changes. And all of this, it really keeps us on our toes, especially within the Amazon marketplace. So just keeping up with all of these changes within this platform is a big challenge or a big difference in itself. I would say like I have a perfect example where just recently, There had been a strange sweep in listings where some of them are being search suppressed because it was missing something from the unit count. It was affecting a listing's like fluid ounce to the nearest tenth of a decimal. And that client was telling me that's probably the most Amazon thing he's heard of. And I couldn't agree more. So yeah, to be honest, it's not the most surprising and probably Mm. something that will happen again on this platform. And, uh, yeah. So compared to like Shopify, for example, you know, you mentioned change being constant. Yep, that that makes sense. Do you think is it something about is it like the pace of change or just these like do the changes make less sense? Like if you could put a finger on why what's different about the pace of change? Because surely in a Shopify or D2C ecosystem, things also very change very quickly there. Yeah. With Amazon, it's very, very random. And right. I think it's something that we've talked about as well during the all hands where customers will sometimes ask us like, hey, you know, we got this email from Amazon talking about an update or a change. And they'd be like, you know, did you guys know about this? And We'd be like, yes, of course, you know, we also get the same email at the same time. So sometimes, you know, we don't know about it before and we see the update the same day or the same time as our clients do. Yeah, it's kind of funny. And yeah, it's it's something I think with Shopify, it wouldn't really happen too often. I just want to put that out there. With Shopify, there were like no surprise sweeps, no dramatic changes. Other than like very slight interface changes, like very slight. And I think that's one like big major difference between these two platforms, the usability, the interface and the consistency regarding processes. Yeah. Yeah. So Amazon till this day will ask that you allow 15 minutes for products to be completely updated. And sometimes it doesn't even update. But with Shopify, your changes can be seen pretty much instantly. Interesting. You also mentioned like there's a big difference around, and this is a little bit arcane maybe for some some people listening to this, but maybe you can cover it at a high level is like uh, product variations and how <laughs> those can be, those are a little bit more challenging on Amazon, right? Yes. So even when like uploading a product, for example, on these two different platforms, let's say you have Shopify, just looking at the back end when uploading a product on Shopify, it already feels a little bit cleaner or more easy or easier to use. You get like this very easy to digest interface and it just feels very intuitive. So let's say you're uploading a t-shirt. You know, you have your usual size attributes and color attributes that you've put in in Amazon. When you upload a t-shirt, you have your size attributes, you have your color attributes, and then you have 20 other different attributes for you to fill out. So now after you've pretty much filled everything out, you find out something's wrong with the listing. 
And you now have to wonder, was I supposed to fill out all of these spaces? What do I have to do to just upload this t-shirt the right way? Yeah. And it's pretty unclear which attributes are going to actually be displayed on the product page, which ones are just used on the back end, the customer would never interact with. And then there's some attributes where they use for like filtering search results. So if I'm looking for a, you know, a t-shirt, I might be looking for red striped and like an extra long fit, right? In the filter. And if, if you haven't filled out extra long fit as an attribute, then your product wouldn't show in that featured product list. It's just very unclear how each of those attributes are used and they're very extensive. Like you mentioned with apparel, it can be, there's lots and lots of options, same with electronics. So yeah, yeah, it's hard to know how much time to invest in all of that because some of those don't really appear to be indexed or used at all either. Exactly. So, you know, as far as usability, I think there is a bit of a learning curve compared to Mm. Shopify. And, you know, Just to expand, I guess, a little bit more on this, you kind of have to take into consideration the mission behind each company. I think Amazon is proud to be focused on being incredibly customer-centric, but not the most seller-centric. Whereas Shopify seems to be more focused on being like seller-centric and making it as easy as possible for any business owner to get their products out there on some working website in front of some audience rather quickly, right? Yes, that is such a great point. And it, that makes so much sense just in what you were talking about with the attributes <laughs> and setting up a new product. Yep. Yeah, it's that's so interesting because it's a real difference in strategy. So Amazon being Earth's most customer-friendly company, I think that's the mission. Yeah. And yep. Shopify arming the rebels, there you go. which are the merchants. It will be very interesting, you know, in 10 years' time to look back and think, about what was the better strategy because they have very different strategies focusing on merchants versus shoppers. Exactly. And, you know, it's also interesting, just like you said, 10 years time to probably see this growth and see, you know, the differences between these two platforms. I believe there was a recent metric that I heard about where the total of all Shopify stores globally the sales or revenue from all of these Shopify stores finally beat Amazon's revenue from those sales. So yeah, it's quite interesting. Yep. Super interesting. Okay. So often we hear about channel conflict and, you know, that can be between Amazon and D2C, or it can be between your store, like retail accounts and marketplaces. And so I'm curious if you hear about examples either from your current clients at Bobsled or from your past life as a consultant where brands have done a particularly great job of harmonizing Amazon and D2C channels? Yeah, I actually have a perfect example for this. I had a client who is a 20 plus year men's denim manufacturer here in LA's fashion district. They used to be wholesale only, but they recognized the opportunity and the necessity to get into retail e-commerce. So within their first quite successful year of being online, we got them into Seller Central and linked about 150 products to Shopify's native Amazon Seller Central channel at the time. Being able to link these products, we were able to offer both FBA and SFP listings. It worked amazingly well. Just explain what those are. Oh, So FBA and SFP listings are fulfilled by Amazon or 
seller fulfilled prime listings. Which there's not very many of those these days. Yes. Seller Fulfilled Prime had recently updated their policies requiring sellers to be able to ship on the weekends. And I believe, you know, there aren't the most sellers or businesses, especially e-commerce businesses that might be open during the weekends, Mm -hmm. not being able to successfully fulfill SFE list uh, products. So, you know, it worked amazingly well, but I believe within the past year, Shopify had removed their native like Amazon seller central channel integration. My wild guess would be that the maintenance required on Shopify's end to successfully integrate this with Amazon's constantly changing backend far outweighed the benefits, especially business-wise. And there are also many different apps that you were able to install on the Shopify backend anyway to do this. It just felt like something I think Shopify was not the most successful in in doing. So they've had just their merchants go to these third-party apps instead. Yep. Any other examples of, of channel conflict? Yes, actually not too much of a channel conflict per se, but I think another good example of like really harmonizing this opportunity between Amazon and a DTC brand website is the use of Amazon's multi-channel fulfillment service. So essentially what you can do is if, let's say, you are an Amazon native brand and you've only launched on Amazon, but you wanted to expand a little bit, you can pretty much create your own direct-to-consumer or wholesale website and use Amazon's multi-channel fulfillment to fulfill all of your orders. Yeah, there's no need for you to really open up your own office or have your own warehouse to do this. Everything can be done already with what's already set up on Amazon. Yes, that's a huge one. And there is a even more up like this week, last week was announced a new program where brands can use, can add buy with prime to their D2C site as well. So this is kind of taking that multi-channel fulfillment to another level. So you mentioned like that multi-channel fulfillment, that's really on the back end. That's basically taking your FBA inventory and shipping it to a customer, sometimes in a plain box, sometimes in an Amazon box. But now you can add as a payment option, buy with Prime. And I think that that's going to be, that invites a whole raft of questions for brands about letting the wolf into the hen house really, because from a customer experience perspective, it could be really great. Like I'm an Amazon shopper. I go to a D2C site and I can buy with Prime and not have to add in all of my shipping details and payment details. And I know that I'm going to have that Prime shipping experience. Great for me. But then you're sort of inviting Amazon into all of your D2C data and some brands are not going to feel very comfortable about that. So it'll be, it'll be interesting to see what that adoption looks like. Exactly. I think right now, just the e-commerce industry in general, we're all just trying to find out like the best way possible to get customers to purchase as quickly as possible. So yeah, I, I think some of those features great in helping customers with their purchase decisions rather quickly. Yeah, it depends what you're prioritizing. If, if you're really focused on conversion rate on your site, buy with Prime might be a great idea. If you're exactly. really focused on having a direct relationship with your shoppers and 
learning from them and building, leaning into that relationship, buy with Prime might not be such a great idea. Exactly. With direct consumer websites, there are no limits. So I just want to say, you know, there's no limits here. So when it comes down to your own website, it's almost free range. And especially when it comes down to its design, be as creative as possible and take full advantage of this blank canvas that you have because you're not able to always tell that same exact story on Amazon. The only thing that's stopping you here is your budget and the capacity of your web developer. Now, let's say you have no budget or a web developer. One of the advantages or benefits of Shopify is how easy it is to use or get set up. So there are hundreds of themes or templates that you can customize or work off of with no web development experience at all whatsoever. Just, you know, do what you can to make your website look just as amazing. And I think it's worth mentioning that with your own website, you create your own A plus content, your entire product page is the A plus content, right? So yeah, feel free to like use some cool gifts. I've seen some cool uses of gifts for product images on Shopify. It adds a little bit of that extra flair to your images or to your website. And you have something that appears a little bit more interactive and it moves and it's different. So yeah, you know, it all comes down to creative assets when it comes to e-commerce. I don't think a lot of people are thoroughly reading bullet points or descriptions. They're looking at pictures and uh, they're using the pictures for their purchase decision. Yeah. And that's a great point. So people shop with images a lot and Amazon has, although I don't think it's particularly consistently enforced, but they do have image requirements, right? So you can't add, you can do spin images, you can do video, and those will majorly improve your conversion rate. And there's some great stats from Profitero on conversion rate increases from adding video to a product page. But, you know, you need to have your main image on a white background, for example, and there's lots of rules about what you can and can't include in your main image. So just by default, your product page is going to need to look a little bit different on Amazon. And it is, you know, a paired back kind of experience. You've got a lot of rules around what you can and can't do. So like you said, you can let your creativity roam a little bit more with your own D2C site. But I will also call out a couple of other features on Amazon that I think brands should should look into. And those are around split testing product images and titles on Amazon And I think that people shop a little bit differently on Amazon compared to an e-commerce site. So understanding how that behavior differs through testing images and, and messaging on the product listing is really important because I think the experience has mostly been that replicating the exact same type of content from a D2C site over to Amazon doesn't work as well as like just tuning up a little bit the content for an Amazon shopper. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, you probably shop on Amazon too. When I shop on Amazon, I don't really pay attention to the bullet points. I purely look at the images and then I scroll right back down to the A plus content. And that's uh, usually my purchase decision right there. Yep. All right. So just two more questions, John, and these are rapid fire, sort of 30 second questions. What are you excited about when it comes to retail marketplaces? Yeah. So I'm really excited to see all of the other retail marketplaces come up. Other retail marketplaces like Walmart, Target, Instacart, other than Amazon, just start to 
also adopt advertising within their own platforms and better creative content spaces, like the equivalent of Amazon's A-plus content. I'm also excited to see how Amazon would react to the growth and change of these newer marketplaces. Mm. Yeah, like I can only imagine more and more people or customers start to adopt or shop at other marketplaces as they also strive to become more and more customer-centric and even provide incentives for customers to shop on their marketplace compared to others like Amazon. And I think this is already happening, right? I think it's going to be more of a common theme. Big retailers will start to create their own like seller-focused platforms, Best Buy, Bed Bath & Beyond. They're perfect examples of these large retailers now enabling other sellers to sell on their platform. And John, what's something that you've changed your mind about? So I used to really think when it came down to paid social media ads, that the only thing that really mattered was uh, Facebook or Instagram ads. Ah. Yeah, I'm I'm a little ashamed (laughs) to say this now. (laughs) But with all things business, the only thing constant is change. Uh, That being said, once again, we now have, businesses now have many new opportunities to create new campaigns, better campaigns within other platforms or marketplaces like TikTok and Pinterest. Mm. And now there's, you know, Walmart and Instacart ads that you can start creating within them, within those marketplaces. So I've definitely changed my mind about Facebook or Instagram ads. And I think expanding PPC into those different or newer platforms and marketplaces can be very beneficial, especially during the early stages, right? And yeah, with that, big shout out to our PPC team, by the way. I think we have an incredible PPC team and our organization or team is even stronger than ever now that we're an Acadia company. Yeah, could not agree more. Thank you so much for joining me, John. Great to have you on the podcast and look forward to seeing you around at Bob's Absolutely, Kiri. This was so much fun. It was a great pleasure to be on here and can't thank you enough. Thank you.